KBLA Talk 1580. Good morning and God bless. I'm Dominique DePrima. The show is First Things First. And my first thing today, yesterday and tomorrow, giving thanksgiving praises and asking for blessings from God, asking for the blessings of the ancestors and the elders. And getting it started, we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to do, a lot to advocate for. And I'm always grateful for you, our KBLA delegation. This is how we structure the show. Hour one, we typically look at local issues, what's happening on the left coast. Hour two, we go national, international, and beyond. And in the third hour, we do a deep dive. Uh, That's all swapped around on Fridays now because we've introduced something called Friedman Fridays, which we do the second uh, hour, the second hour of every Friday. And then I do, um, you know, open lines, reparations conversation, open phones. And so that means... If you're used to calling in the first or second hour of the show, you know, you're still welcome to do so. But I really am leaving space for you in the final hour. Um, I had uh, one person tell me they they hesitate to call on Fridays because we have guests in. And, uh, well, we don't always have guests in hour three now. Um, Leaving space there for your phone calls, 800-920-1580. I want you to be able to reflect and react on what you heard about reparations uh, in that hour. And also... I would like to uh, give you the space to end out the week with anything else that you want to bring up that we perhaps have not touched on. <clears throat> Khalif Alexander is my guest for Friedman Fridays today. Uh, he's a reparationist uh, out of Philadelphia. And he's one of the people that pushed for Juneteenth to be a national holiday. We'll talk with him on this Friedman Fridays. And of course, you are welcome to join us either there or in the chat Um on YouTube. Man, I don't know what it is. These frogs in my throat. I think it's this uh, sort of off again, on again, off again. Is it raining? Is it not? Kind of uh, weather that we got going on, which um, from what I understand is going to be persisting. uh, Although they said we'd see uh, some warmer temperatures this weekend. I'm excited to bring back on with me my partner in politics of many a Friday and uh, here and there, other days as well. You've seen him a lot on the Fox Soul Network. He is also the founder um, of um, ES Advisors, which is a public policy consultancy firm. He's worked on numerous campaigns and even in the uh, inside the offices of elected officials. Ed Sanders, good morning. 
<laughs> Good morning, Dominique. Uh, Happy New Year. I realize it's the first time we've talked this year. Yes. uh, Well, you know, I'm going to say Happy MLK Day because I've forbidden people to tell me Happy New Year after MLK Day. Like, that's the deadline now. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't said it by then, then, you know, it's Happy Black History Month. Happy. Yeah, see, I might, I have to, I have to extend that. We'll, we'll get past, you know, black, the start of Black History Month and then the, then it, then the year is officially going. So. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> know that's right. I know that's right. Um, so back to school. Um, and it seems kind of chill compared to, uh, you know, the strikes and strife of, uh, of last year. But of course, that may be because my, Mine is uh, gone to college, so I'm not dealing with as much of the back-to-school, uh, you know, hustle and bustle as you probably are. Yeah, mine are, mine are in the throes of it. It is, uh, you know, I think for, for, for parents, it's always going to be uh, a fun challenge. Um, I think, you know, after the, the holiday break, uh, you see the traffic start to pick up on the streets, and you know, you know we're back at, back to it, I guess is the way to say it. Yeah. Well, good luck to you with that. Um, It was three years ago, four years ago, man, four years ago today that uh, Kobe Bryant and his his uh, tween daughter, Gianna, and seven other people died in a helicopter crash in Calabasas, um, California. And it just always feels like a little bit of a sad day in L.A., it is, um, you know, I, you know, we've talked about it before, but you know, Kobe, um, I think particularly for LA and particularly for Laker fans, um, saw him grow up and, you know, I think you count very few, like those heroes that, that either you idolized or, um, uh, you just admired and, and, you know, definitely he was that to a large portion of the city. Um, you know, I think his death, uh, you know, along with his daughter and the others was, was so jarring, um, that it, it, it really shook the city to its core. I can remember the days after he died and, and, you know, sort of the mourning period, the, the flowers down at Staple, the murals, uh, popping up across the city. Um, I think, you know, Kobe is going to be an endearing figure, um, for, for really generations to come. I mean, the, the next generation of basketball players that, that really look to him as, as their motivation. It, it's, uh, you know, he's going to have and will continue to have a lasting effect. Yeah. It's funny you say that there's only a few heroes that rise to that level because this is a town full of celebrities. And one of the things I noticed pretty early on in my, um, residency in Los Angeles is that. Angelinos are not really impressed by celebrity for the most part. I mean, you know, I, I would see people coming in from other markets. I remember when uh, Miss Hughes bought uh, the beat, a station I was on, they would get all excited about, wow, we'll get, you know, I don't know, we'll get somebody out, uh, some Laker out, you know, to, or we'll get some actor out and people would be like, ho-hum. Because we're used to seeing celebrities everywhere. But there are some that rise above that. I think Kobe's one. And I was reading in the uh, Washington Post that close to 650 public art pieces honoring Kobe Bryant exist worldwide. That's pretty amazing. And 350 of those are in Southern California. I mean, I don't think Frank Sinatra, Elizabeth Taylor, you know, uh, you know, 
I don't know, um, I'm thinking of modern movie stars, Meryl Streep, whatever. I don't think they have that many monuments in L.A. No, I, you know, I mean, sooner or later you'll start seeing Beyonce and, and I guess Taylor Swift statues or something popping up, but... Uh, Probably you know, not I, it, 350 of them, though. I mean, even Marilyn Monroe, no. I don't... Maybe she does, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Probably, who knows? <laughs> but, I mean, the thing about it is, I guess people remember Kobe Moore on August 24th because of his, you know, his jersey, which makes sense because it's not so sad of a day. It's more just a remembrance of him, that um, 824. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't want... I just didn't want to let the day pass without marking it, especially with you. And, you know, Miles, you're probably one of the biggest Kobe admirers, Kobe appreciators of everyone here at KBLA, I would say. Take it. I mean, I, like uh, Ed said, people grew up with Kobe. Kobe was drafted, what, Ed, 96? Oh, yeah, I think that's right. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. I was born 94, so like all my <laughs> my entire basketball career, I watched the the Tracy McGrady, Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant era growing up. That's why I kind of idolized. So I definitely resonate with a lot of the players that idolized Kobe, got his jersey tatted, got – Mamba all over them, uh, Jason Tatum, the Giannis is that credit him. So, yeah, that's 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 my guy. Yeah. Never seen Jordan. So, yeah, that's why I'm so heavy on Kobe and LeBron. You never saw Jordan. Yeah. Also, you're from the West Coast. I mean, you're f- Vegas is still West Coast. Thank you. Yeah. But, you know, one other side of it is, <laughs> is like on social media and, and, and interviews and YouTube, that sort of thing, like um, the interviews and clips of Kobe, you know, talking about a variety of different things the 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 mamba mentality and his approach to life and his discipline and his dedication uh it's you know it's it's something different for an athlete and and i think that's what really really truly makes him impactful i was you know i was in my basketball watching really a period then it started then when i came to la when i started working at the beat uh, we had we used to have seats, and I would I got to see him play, and just it was so much more impressive in person because they don't show him on defense that much on TV, and his defense was pretty serious. And also, I got to see him working with kids behind the scenes at, at a camp uh, that he did, and it was really touching because he clearly gave you know he he gave a crap. I mean, he really. You know, every single kid there, he checked in with them, boys, girls, just the same. And that really impressed me. So apparently on uh, 2824, there will be an unveiling of a bronze statue of Kobe outside Staples, a.k.a. the Crypto.com arena. So that should that uh, that should be a big that's next month. Black History Month. Um, They say it's. Uh, Gianna's favorite number followed by her father's signature digit. So it's 2824. They're going to unveil that bronze statue of Kobe, and that should be quite a party, I would imagine. I, I, yeah, I, I, wow, you're, you're, you've got the inside scoop. I hadn't heard that, but that's, you know, look, I think, uh, one of the other elements of it is, is sort of his, um, the father's daughter. Um, and I think there's a lot of, uh, uh, remembrance for Gianna, uh, in particular, right? Yeah. I mean, um, such a young life to, to lose it, such a, but she had a ton of promise. Um, and, you know, I think putting a statue up is, 
uh, it's a it's a proud uh, honor and a tribute to you know what the potential um, you know I guess could have been and and what we lost in in their deaths. Apparently, there's uh, 16 guys named Kobe <laughs> in college basketball right now. I wonder if their moms named them or dads named them, thinking maybe they'll be great like Kobe. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a ton of people named Jordan, too. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, but probably not Michael Jordan. Well, those Kobe's don't have the last name of Bryant. That is very true. Tyson. There's a lot of Tysons out there, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But hopefully they're not boxers. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Ed Sanders and you, if you got something you want to weigh in on, 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. I'm not going to fight with Ed about reparations today. We'll find something else to fight about. <laughs> and, uh, of course, you know, we'll illuminate some of these headlines. Uh, the latest on uh, what's happening with disgraced former council member. I knew you thought I was about to say Kevin DeLeon, but I was going to say Jose Wezar. That's next when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station. Radio station. And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now, right now, now. talking with Ed Sanders. So, Ed, yesterday, uh, council member, former council member Jose Wezar submitted a letter to the court asking for a lighter sentence. Prosecutors want him to do 13 years in jail. He's asking for no more than nine. Um, and he says he's already paid a big price, losing his, his, uh, his reputation, his way to earn a living, um, and even his kids' future and their mental health. He says his whole life has been turned upside down, and he feels he should get leniency because he's already suffered a lot. Um, he also said, uh, according to the L.A. Times, that shiny objects were dangled in front of me, and I could not resist temptation. <laughs> Is that a convincing argument to me? Like, I've already, to you, I've already suffered enough. Um, I couldn't resist be lenient. I mean, do you think that, do you think it matters? And do you think a judge is going to go for that? You know, it's, it's, um, if, if I take council member Huizar out of the mix and I substitute in, oh, you know, I think what we've always sort of looked at is how the justice system turns against particularly people of color, but almost always us, in a plea like this, right? Um, I think if if you saw um, uh, a white male, white female with advancing those arguments, I think, you know, I think a lot of us would would not be surprised to see the court grant leniency, right? And um, I, I think on the face of it, you know the argument is is a little light, right? <laughs> it, it the the actions and and what he's been um, convicted of doing uh, really you know broach the, the or, or, you know violate the public trust, and you know there's a punishment to be handed down. I think the ask for leniency 
this sort of a pro forma thing. Uh, you act, you know, if, if you've been convicted, you should absolutely, you know, try to ask, ask for uh, leniency. But it's just interesting to see how the court receives it. And I think a lot of times, again, I, I think it's it's harder for for people of color to achieve that leniency or receive it. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and those shiny objects were more than an ocean. You're talking about $1.5 million in bribes and luxury hotels and, you know, all kinds of things. Escorts and gambling chips and, well, prostitute services is how the uh, L.A. Times characterizes it. Super expensive restaurants. So this is not yeah, a case not like, thing. you know, kind of like what they're... They're accusing uh, Councilmember Curran Price of having his wife on his benefits, even though technically they weren't married because he hadn't been divorced from the other, his other wife. Technically, even though everyone knew that Dale was his wife, she lived with him, and it's not like he was getting, he wasn't getting benefits for two wives. He just, for the one that was actually his domestic partner, that's pretty flimsy. This is really different. You're talking about taking, you know, bags, paper bags full of cash and, and prostitutes. I, I think it's a very yeah, it's different like the definition of corruption. If yeah. you were writing a novel, uh, you know, that's that's what that's what you would that's the storyline you would write, you know, um, you know, lead, you know, again, like how the judge responds, I think, is the reaction here. I, I'm not surprised that he would you know, that he would seek such leniency, you know, like any one of us convicted would. We kind of wait to see what actually comes down the pipeline. Yeah, I guess so. I, you know, I always think um, in cases like that, taking responsibility is better than saying I couldn't resist temptation. You know, I don't know. I'm thinking if I'm a judge, I don't want to hear I couldn't resist temptation. And anyone can say that about any law. I had to go 100 miles an hour. I couldn't resist temptation. I had to go get steal these diamonds, you know. That's to me. That's not a good argument. And you know good and well, Ed. If your kids had that argument, I told you not to eat all of those cookies. Well, I couldn't resist temptation. Like, is that going to soften their punishment? <laughs> Probably not. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, this is like those super duper cookies, that, you know, <laughs> oozing with fudge. And <laughs> I couldn't resist, and you would say, yeah. "Yeah, okay, all right, son, no problem, <laughs> carry on." <laughs> so um, the election is, you know, it, it's really on. It's election season. I've heard from a couple of candidates that the people they're talking to, door knocking, are not even aware that we're in election season, but we're a couple weeks away from the mail-in ballots coming to our doors and maybe six weeks out from the um, election day itself. So starting starting to try to unpack these candidates, I had two um, running for district attorney on the show Monday. If you missed it, uh, John McKinney and Jeff Chimarensky. Those interviews are available wherever you get your podcasts, absolutely for free, or you can get them at on the KBLA app. They were really interesting, but there are twelve people running, counting the incumbent, and George Gascon, uh, who has, you know, survived a, a recall attempt and and uh, is being sued by some of his deputies that de- don't want the change that the voters called on him to make. Um, 
just got endorsed by the L.A. Times. Is that a big deal? Uh, it is. It's it's also surprising, right? Um, I thought the Times gave a lot of airtime to, uh, I mean, you referenced sort of the, the base of, of district attorneys that were, you know, really just sort of thwarting Gascon at every turn. Um, and, you know, the way their uh, messaging was covered, you know, has really harmed Gascon, right? Like, like he's in this vulnerable position because uh, of this coordinated attack on him. Um, and, <laughs> you know, to go through and, and sort of write the stories that, that hurt him and, and, you know, muddle the water and then turn around and endorse him surprises me. Um, but it's interesting. I, you know, look, I think if you go back to, you know, sort of the original campaign, um, Gascon laid out a number of different things that, that we all had very deep concerns with. And um, those concerns are still there. I think the question is who can most effectively get that done. I, you know, I think you had, um, I think you said you had Terminski and um, um, I couldn't catch who you had. Oh, uh, McKinney, John McKinney, who is a prosecutor, you know, in that office and, you know, who basically is, is going after his boss's job. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there, there is a little bit of that blood in the water that that I was just referencing, um, you know, and I think for for almost all of us that that follow this race, the the real concern is, you know, who's going to advance the work, right? And there's a lot of work to be done in the district attorney's office relative to, um, you know, really criminal justice reform and uh, reform and 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 how. Um, that office can either strengthen our community or it can start to, you know, tear it apart. Um, and, you know, I think we've had a lot of issues with DAs in the past. Um, and yeah, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> lightly, right. Um, you know, and there's just been, there's been a lot of inaction when the community has called for it. Um, Gascon presented a little hope for us. <clears throat> he bore the brunt of, you know, sort of the retaliation and now, you know, I think we have to be sound in what and how we decide. But you've got to listen to all of the candidates, hear their commitments. You know, we don't want to have that that Via Nueva that we caught, you know, with the sheriff's race a couple of years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Game and then got in. Absolutely. And, you know, um, some folks say I ask uh, tough questions. But to me, if you want to be the top cop, you know, we need answers and we do not, you know, the Democratic Party and a lot of other people were fooled by Villanueva and we we don't want to have that again, as you point out, which means we've got to ask the tough questions and, and check and double check. And uh, I think everybody wants to do that now, you know, whether it's DA um, or sheriff or whatever it might be. But, you know, the, the Times editorial and their... Um, and their journalism staff are two different groups of folks. So it, maybe that's why the endorsement feels confusing. Ed Sanders is with me. You're welcome to call in. It's time for news, traffic, and sports. And we continue KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. 
Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. Uh, Ed Sanders is with me as well, and you're invited in. As always, 809-20-1580 on this Friedman Friday. We'll be talking with Khalif Alexander and you when we uh, when we get into that. And, of course, Hour 3, I'd love to hear from you. If you have reflections on what you heard any time during the show, but most specifically uh, a, a an open line for that reparations conversation. So... Um, Ed Sanders, the, um, the DA's race is probably, I would say the most important race that we have arguably coming up, um, in this March primary. Um, and, uh, the thing about it, you know, the thing about Gascogne, you were talking about how he really took the hit for this wave of, of progressive voting that we asked for real reform inside criminal justice. And now we've seen not just Gascon, but other uh, progressive prosecutors targeted, Chess Bedeen in, in San Francisco, Mar- uh, Marilyn Mosby. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's become a national story. I see Fox News reporting on Gascon's every move and trying to undermine the narrative about him. But it, he's not just being flanked um, on the right this time. I think... Chemerinsky, and we'll see, uh, talking to others, are going to be um, liberal, maybe even progressive people that are challenging him as well. Does that put the district attorney between a rock and a hard place, or is it going to help him more clearly define where he is? Um, good question. I, I, You know, look, I think you're right in how you lay this out. The... Um, you know, we see this this backlash. You know, particularly to the sort of the 2020 um, post George Floyd. Um, you know, there's always been a backlash to anything. You can go back. You know, not it's not like Kaepernick was the start, but um, there's always been a backlash to um, our 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 fight for justice in the country and. But but you really see it sort of coined as this anti wokeness. You hear it, heard it a lot with DeSantis and you know the Trump. It's a it's a it's a real strong far right, you know, call. Um, he, he's getting that in the front, right? That's the headwind. Um, you know, I think what 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 made Gascon vulnerable is, um, you know, from a political sense, he just he didn't manage the the first term well. Like he got wounded by the backlash, and now, to your point, you're getting candidates that are similar, um, you know, challenging him. And and the question just really simply may be effectiveness, right? Um, you know, who can be most effective in the seat and continue the work? Um, he's got to make his case as the others are trying to make the case that that they should be the the voice but you 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 are right to say he's pinched between a between both both sides of it so um the UC system today or actually I think it was yesterday decided that they they're going to pull back on this plan they had to hire undocumented students uh, who would probably be qualified as dreamers um they were going to defy the feds here and say that um that they could they could go ahead and hire undocumented um, students, there's thousands of them in the UC system, uh, and many times they're not, they're, well, many times, all the time, they're not able to work 
at the university. They initially said they said they were going to challenge this federal law that barred employment of of people without legal status. Um, but now they're saying no, it's too risky. It can cause harm to all of the students of the UC system. People could get sued. Um, students were protesting this, particularly some of these students that would have, if it was the Obama era, fallen under DACA. But since that um, was discontinued, the the certifying of new DACA students, they don't qualify. Um, how do you how do you process that? Um, you know, I saw the story. I, I'll be honest. I, I glanced at it. Um, mm. so I, I, I understand there are some intricacies there. Yeah, um, no doubt. You know, but I mean, look, if you are, to me, if you're able to admit a student into the system, I don't understand why you wouldn't have workforce availability for a student. Right. Um, and you know, it seems to me there's got to be a path for that, um, and 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 there's got to be a conversation around that. Um, you know, I I don't know if there are any other circumstances, and 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 I try to pull this back, and I think about you know students that may be coming from the Caribbean, students that may be coming from Africa, how they're how impacted they would be, and what what are the pathways forward for them. Um, mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's it's a tough issue because I can already hear, uh, you know, actually some of my Freedman Friday guests and others saying, well, you're not doing all that for black students. Why should you know? But as you point out, an immigrant student can be from anywhere. Most of the dreamer folks are folks, you know, that um, came as babies and didn't know they were, you know, they didn't choose to come here. Their parents came and that's why they've had like sort of special protections uh, I didn't realize that we had um, quite so many. It says, according to the LA Times, 44,000 students uh, without DACA protections who are undocumented that go to California colleges right now. It's a lot of folks. Really? That's wow. That's a large amount. I did. I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah, I didn't uh, know that either. And then 4,000 of those apparently are in the UC system. Um, I, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize in 2023, 100,000 immigrant young people graduated from high school, that's nationwide, without any papers. And so the question is, what, what, do, I, what do they do now? Let's, let's go to attorney Carrie Harper, who's calling in um, spontaneously, which is great. She's one of our leading civil rights attorneys here in the Southern California area and really nationally. Uh, you guys remember her from the the successful prosecution of that CHP officer in the case of Marlene Pinnock, uh, the uh, work around Kendrick McDade and others. Good morning, Attorney Harper. Good morning, Dominique. How are you doing this Friday morning? Good, good. Great to hear your voice. Well, thank you so much. I, you know, I, I called in. I don't know if I've called in on a, on a free talk Friday before, but I thought I'd call in. I was just listening to you talk about the DA's race, which... All of us have an interest in, of course, not as much as the judges, because that's my personal favorite, but <laughs> the, the DA's race, I remember hearing your interview on with the candidates last week, which you did an outstanding job with. Thank you. I was calling in to say, I mean, I was listening to 
um, one of the leading contenders, which was, I believe his name was McKinney. John McKinney, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. I never heard of him before, but I wasn't mad at him, Dominique. I, I mean, I wasn't mad at him at all. Um, he, uh, he gave a different perspective. He seemed to come from a place, you know, his heart seemed to be in it. Um, we know I've been a supporter of DA Gascon, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm not, I'm just not mad at, uh, Mr. McKinney's position. And I kind of felt you might've been a tad bit harder on him than Professor Shmerensky's son. And I know why, because Shmerensky's son has, pretty much not very much experience at all, right? So you're saying there's nothing to talk about. Honestly, I, I really do my best to be fair. I didn't feel like I was harder on McKinney, but I respect your opinion very much. I try my best to be fair. I really, really do. Because to me, it's so important to help people that listen, our KBLA delegation, to make their own decisions, right, by hearing where people fall on stuff. Carrie, Attorney Harper. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I accidentally muted you out. Oh. Um, <laughs> you, you, you were, I'm getting my hair braided. Don't be mad at me. You're multitasking. Okay. Yeah. I'm tenderheaded anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. No yelling on the air. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you were definitely fair with both of them. It's just that. Uh, Professor Shemarinsky's son had nothing to attack because he's unqualified to be DA. Wow. Chim- uh, Jeff Shemarinsky is his name. You just got to call him Erwin Shemarinsky's son. <laughs> well, yes, he is because Professor Shemarinsky, I remember when, I, when anyone has done bar prep, you can't help but be amazed by Professor Shemarinsky, his dad, and he does this bar prep course, Dominic. Let me tell you, he memorizes our outline, like maybe 15 or 20 pages where he can memorize it and lecture on it without looking at notes. And it had me in such awe 23, 24, 23 years ago when I studied for the bar. And I'm like, how is this guy? He's amazing. His dad is amazing. And so, of course, his son can take time off and not have to work so he can campaign criticizing uh, our current hardworking DA. I mean, you and I, we hardworking folks. I think both of us have been up since four in the morning working, but, you know, um, his son can take time off just to campaign and criticize, criticize the current DA. Um, we all aspire to be able to live off somebody else's dime, but I'm not criticizing. That's my personal opinion. Okay, Ed, do you want to add anything to what Attorney Kerry Harper said? Uh, you know, I, 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 I was... Attorney Harper, I, I, you know, I, I, Jeff, I thought was in a, uh, a role with the U.S. Attorney's Office. I, uh, yeah, he he stepped down to campaign at the moment. He's not doing, okay. but yeah, he did have a job. Well, it's not like he was just kicking back in his whole life. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty important job, wasn't it? The organized crime division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, uh, so I mean, I just want to be fair to to that record. It. it you know, ultimately, the question, uh, it, or what I was saying prior to, you know, uh, earlier, was that, that, look, when you look at criminal justice, when you look at this office, you know, I think a lot of the listeners are looking at it from the standpoint of 
how do we make this office more just for our community? Um, and I think the issue still remains, you know, can, can, has Gascon been effective? Um, I think, you know, his first term for his campaign, he laid out everything we wanted to hear, but questioned whether he had been effective in the office. And if you think he can be effective, then, then he's your guy. But if he's, if you don't, then you got to look at the other, the other candidates from McKinney to Cherminsky to, to the other 10 and, and see what is the best answer. Of which there are many, right? There's a whole dozen. Yeah, There's a whole dozen a to choose from. And we're, uh, we've reached out to all of them. So you'll hear from all the ones that think that it's worthwhile, uh, coming on KBLA Talk 1580. We always reach out to all the candidates. Um, Attorney Harper, I got to ask you real quick: Are there any judicial candidates that you're particularly tracking? Because you tend to find uh, these folks that we may not be paying attention to. Um, you know, like Holly Hancock, right? Uh, who ended up uh, eventually winning? Um, so, anybody you're tracking that we should look at or research? Well, you know, Dominique, I'm waiting because I want to be fair in that area because they don't get a they don't get a chance unlike the DA's office or any other political position the judges don't get a chance to be in attack mode against their opponents they depend on subordinates or other people supporting them to attack so they can't fight back so I'm not going to say anything about the judicial candidates but the DA candidates they can go after their uh, opponents, um, unlike the judges. So right. I'm and not they, tracking, and, and they what, are. That's for sure. Um, yeah, right. They, yeah, they, they are. definitely now, are. I'm not tracking. I'm not tracking one of the judicial candidates. I'm following all of them, and I'd be interested in hearing positions from all of them because that, to me, uh, as you know, that's the most important thing. Because, as you recall, uh, the candidate Kenny saying he resorted back to, well, the judge will decide bail. Well, the judge will decide what's right. It always ends up in the judge's hands. So that should be the most important concern. So I'm going to treat that with kid gloves. But go back to this Shemarinsky son. Yeah, he may have gotten hired at the AUSA's office and been a prosecutor there. But he's not even qualified to run for judge based on what I heard, because you need 10 years in to even run for judge. So why not take a couple of shots at uh, D.A. Gascon, and that way maybe he might run for judge. I don't okay. know the guy. I have no. I don't have a dog in the horse. I don't want to bash him. Right. But I'm not. I'm not mad at the platform of the real viable candidate, which is the McKinney. The McKinney guy. I don't know him, but I, his story seem to resonate with okay me hold that thought others. hold that thought i'm up against the clock here attorney carrie harper i'm weighing in with us this morning ed sanders and dominique DePrima for kbla talk 1580 kbla talk 1580 is an intervention when we come, when we forward, come forward includes you kbla talk 1580 turning pain into power power there's only this is KBLA Talk 1580, where everybody is somebody and nobody is a stranger. You belong here. And uh, we're talking with Ed Sanders, attorney Carrie Harper, called in to join us as well. Uh, speaking on the judges, and um, uh, next week sometime, I think it might be Tuesday, we have, yes, it is Tuesday, we have the Defenders of Justice. Uh, they have a slate again. 
um, put forth by La Defensa of people running for judge, a deputy DA, Erica J. Wiley, deputy public defender, George Turner, and criminal defense lawyer, Lachey Henderson, will be in. Uh, and, of course, we're reaching out to all the other folks that are running, but, um, you know, defenders uh, of justice, because they were here, they, they had a slate that came on last time. They um, were quick to respond to our, our outreach. Um, and, and Attorney Carrie Harper, you were saying something about judges. I wanted to let you complete that thought. No, I was just saying, Dominique, that I try to treat that with kid gloves. I mean, I speak a little bit more freely about the DA candidates because they can actually fight back. The judicial candidates, you'll always hear them referring to what they're being very cautious because they have to, because they have to appear um, impartial and unbiased, where uh, the judicial, ca- the other candidates, they can kind of mix it up a little bit more. All the other candidates can. So I, I'm not really going to weigh in so much on the judges. I'd be willing to come in and assist with other aspects of the judicial candidates. But today I called in about the DA candidate, and I, I hear um, I hear Ed talking about, um, you know, DA Gascon, you know, his initial, uh, when he came in at the beginning, and what has he done lately, Um you know, I, I think he's done a great job. My personal appearance is, my personal opinion is that he's done a good job. Uh, I just said that I wasn't mad at um, the candidate McKinney. I think the other candidate, uh, the professor's son, is not qualified, and, and McKinney did a good job in your interview last week. Um, Ed, any thoughts on that? You want to <laughs> you, you weigh in? I mean, you kind of already did in, you know, saying, no. well, Shemarinsky had did have a pretty impressive job, but um, anything else you want to say? No, I, look, I mean, look, as, as we, we always talk about with the judicial races, right, it, you know, and, and, and I tend to weigh in with, the, with you and the show from the political sense. Um, judicial candidates go through an electoral process. Um, it is they are such the down ticket, and they don't garner the the attention and the scrutiny that that they should. Um, I think you know the point that and the role that the judicial candidates can play in our lives, the judges play in our lives, is so critical and important that even for us as a community, we have got to find more ways to screen them, right? Um, you know, it's really, it's it, a lot of times people are just sort of checking the judge just based on the ballot designation. And, and you know, we've got to do a better way of, of sourcing, um, raising money for, and in, in educating the electorate on the types of judges that we want to get in. Um, you know, every attorney that, that we know um, knows which courts, um, have the judges that that uh, you know what what Ron DeSantis would call the no nonsense judges, what we call them, are just sort of you know those harsh um, rhetoric judges that 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 will that are difficult for our community, um, and we've got to find a way to screen that. Yeah, um, well, I appreciate the conversation. We're uh, and I'm going to definitely take you up on your offer of help, Carrie Harper, of course has helped me on more than one show uh, getting judges in and making sure folks have a chance to really hear from as many of them as possible. We, and we've done a, we've done a pretty good job um, with, with your help. So thank you for that. 
Dominique, can I say one thing about the judges? The only thing I'll say about the judges that is biased is that I wish that Elizabeth Lashley Haynes would consider running again. She was one of the Defenders of Justice candidates that did not um, proceed forward last election, but by far she is the most qualified judicial candidate that I've seen, and I'm including well, uh, maybe I should include myself, but no, I'm just kidding. But she was amazingly qualified. I wish she would give it another shot um, to run again. You ran for judge. Would you do it again? You know, I got smacked around a little bit, and I don't like being smacked around and not being able to fight back. I'm sorry. I just got tired of people from the, you know, from the outskirts making comments. So I'll take that as a no. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not going to ever say, I guess, in in politics, are you ever supposed to say no? But I got surprised, Dominique. I got the friendly fire. Folks who once bloggers who once said they admired me for this and that came out and badmouthed me to this and that. It It was unkind and untasteful, and I couldn't fight back as much as I would mm. like to because of the position I was running for. Got it. But I would ever I would never say never, but I think my position as a civil rights attorney um is what I should be doing now. I think God is calling me to do that right okay. now. Okay. Or just uh right up at the top of the hour, Carrie, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate you. Um Ed Sanders, I always appreciate you. Dominique, happy new year for the last uh, time of don't the month. Say but, it, uh, don't say it, don't say it. Yeah, that new year so thing, that's expired. Awesome. You can find, um, speaking of expired, you can find Ed on Twitter slash X, uh, Edward M. Sanders. You can also find Attorney Harper there. Uh, I think it's Attorney Harper uh, or Carrie Harper. Uh, I think you have more than one. But anyways, um, I'll tell you after news, traffic, and sports. And thank you both. It's KBLA Talk 1580.